ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and once again in studio... Father Andrew Dickinson. Hi, Father. Hey, how you doing? Good, thanks. So uh, we're, we're going to be talking today about an issue that's that's um, on people's minds more and more in the church. But but as always, before we get into the topic for today, I uh, want to remind you listeners, if, if this is the first time listening to Ignition, if you're a repeat listener, you've heard this before, but we love listener feedback. If you've got questions about anything that, that we'll be discussing in today's episode, if you've got ideas, things that you'd like us to discuss in future episodes, questions that you'd like us to answer, whether it might be a two-minute answer or uh, something for an entire episode, um, we're happy to hear your feedback and your thoughts, uh, the, the things you'd like us to talk about. Uh, the, the best way to do that is by emailing me, cbergwald at sfcatholic.org, C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. Uh, you, you can also, maybe you're listening to us on the radio, the Lamb Catholic Network in South Dakota, East River, uh, East River South Dakota, and also you can find past episodes online at the diocesan web website sfcatholic.org and then you go to the media section and the audio files you'll find all the past episodes of ignition for your listening pleasure fortunately no viewing pleasure for the listener or watcher to be i've got a face made for radio (laughs) (laughs) so uh again father so we're going to talk today about an issue that that um uh, as, as I mentioned at the outset, is, is getting more and more attention. And that, that's the whole question about the church's teaching uh, about, about marriage and particularly what that means for those who, who are divorced and remarried um, outside the church and, and the, right now their, their inability, their inadmissibility to communion. So the, the church's teaching uh, is, is that somebody who, is, um, who has been divorced in, sorry, been, been married in the church, if they, they get civilly divorced and then they, they marry somebody else or attempt marriage in the, the formal church language, fathers, giving me looks well, i just have a quick question that you, you're saying someone who's been married in the church and then civilly divorced oh yeah I is there any that. other type of divorce <clears throat> no there's not no there's no other type of there's no church divorce what do we mean by oh there's what is well isn't that no i'll, I'll wait there well, we'll, we'll, we'll but just frighten <laughs> but just but, but bare bones there is no such thing as a church divorce why do we why do you say that well because you said civil divorce right right but why isn't there why why not well because jesus said you can't because divorce Marriage is forever, right? Until you say until death do you part. This until is the death. this is the grandest promise you make in your whole life. Uh, I will be true to you in good times and in bad, in sickness and health. I will love and honor you all the days of my life until death do us part. Kaput. So, uh, that, just real quick, that's that is one distinction uh, between marriage and some of the other sacraments. Um, it's it it it. it, it it's not permanent, permanent forever. Like you, you've been ordained to holy orders, right? That is for eternity. Correct. Um, my marriage to my wife, while while there will be a bond of some sort in eternity, mm-hmm. marriage per se and the sacrament of marriage ends when one of us passes on. 
Right. And, and uh, so different than from like, say, baptism or confirmation as yes. well, in which you are still baptized, confirmed, bearing those marks. Very good. Right, right. There's not that mark on the soul with, with baptism. It's permanent as long as you live, right. but when one dies, it ceases. Yep. It's no. So so there is no civil divorce because marriage is forever. If it's, if it's a Christian sacramental marriage, it's forever. So if somebody gets divorced in, in the eyes of civil law, mm-hmm. Uh, and then they attempt remarriage or attempt to marry somebody else. The church says you cannot receive communion because the the, the church's the, the understanding is well, you're still married to that first person. You, you, your vows are still binding to you. You're not free to make new vows because you still have the obligation, the previous obligation. And that might be something. Whether uh, I'm, we can we can talk about it now, we can defer it to later um, in this episode. But I think that's part of people's confusion about this. The, the, the fact that, I, well, I made the promise. I can break I can it. break the problem, right. No. And the nature of a marriage vow is it's unbreakable until death is by either party. It's not a contract that way. It's a covenant. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and so the example for that would be the covenant relationship where the St. Paul tells us that the way to understand it is through the covenant relationship of Christ and the church. That Christ has made an unbreakable promise to us that he would be his and we would be, that he would be ours and we would be his. Right. Uh, uh, in a way that can't, now you can you can live in violation of it, but the contract still stands in that sense. And the only way for that, that relationship, that covenant to change is through death, but Christ himself is undying. And so there will be no end to this covenant. That's why Jesus himself at the Last Supper calls it the new and eternal covenant. Now, with marriage, it is a covenant again, and that's that's the lens through which the church reads it right. and has read it, and, and that nature suggests to that relationship uh, is that idea of covenant, so un, unchanging, undying, or excuse me, unchanging until death. The only way for it to end it is by is by death. Right, and, and I think part of that, too, is... is the, we recognize that emotionally a, re, a relationship can atrophy, wither, in a sense, so to speak, die. But the covenantal bond that is Christian sacramental marriage endures despite the 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 emotional attachment that that we normally you know when you think about somebody you're in love with oftentimes that 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 connotes an emotional relationship of some sort the church's understanding though is what yes you should be in love with your spouse but even if you quote unquote fall out of love in that sense of the word which we've talked about before Mm -hmm. um the the covenantal bond that was established remains and the vow itself suggests that in good times and, and in, in bad, bad. Right. in sickness, and in health. Right. right. So, so that's always there, and, and we'll we'll talk later about because it is a sacrament. There are graces there. I mean, that that we can draw on to endure the bad times, mm-hmm. to hopefully get through the bad times back to the good times. Right. And, and if you're listening to this uh, to this uh, this transmission, and uh, uh, you and yourself are in a marriage that is difficult or has difficulties, uh, then uh, please. Uh, uh, strengthen renew that make acts of renewal of uh, that commitment that you made uh, and and act actions in faith that god will provide some strength for you in that exactly because he does you know i think father part of the, the one of the difficulties the struggles with the church's teaching about this is is that people think well you mean i just have to be stuck in a lifeless marriage well that's not the church's desire the church's desire that no that you remain in a life-giving and that's a false choice right 
But explain false, it. Why is well, it a false choice? Well, because it, it assumes that you can't do anything to change your relationship and that your spouse can't do anything to change your relationship right. to make it better, to improve it, to make right. it better. Right. And the, but there is the reality, you know, have, it, there is the reality that I might want to improve it, but he or she might not. Mm. Well, then, then church, what do I do? What do I do then, Father? What do I then do, doc, do then, doctor? I met this amazing uh, woman out in Denver. I was in the seminary. She was a secretary at the seminary for a while. Then she moved to be a secretary at a parish. And uh, she, uh, she is uh, married to her husband and he is no longer married to her. He right. doesn't think he is. Right. And so he acts like he's not. He's run off with... F- much younger women type of thing, like their daughter's age type of thing. And she says, you know, and I pray for his conversion every day. Uh, would I ever take him back? Probably not, but I'm still going to live true to my vows. You know, this is a strong woman, an amazing woman to say these sort of things and to live this sort of thing. Uh, an impressive woman in that way. And she said, you know, sometimes I pray for his conversion. Sometimes I pray it happens through a car accident. Right. You know, yep. uh, maybe through some physical difficulty yep. for him, but that he, because right now he's, you know, she says he's, he seems to be on a path headed towards hell because yep. he has dishonored his vow of his marriage. He is uh, living in a state of sin and I'm not going to uh, live in that state myself just because he is. Right. Right. And that's, and that, so the reality for her, this is a cross that she, this is, she's bearing the cross. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, and we're all called, I mean, Jesus said, I mean, discipleship is not pain free. Right. We, we are all called, if we're truly take up your cross and follow me is what Jesus, if you just want to be my disciple. And, and some of us yeah, at various points in our lives, or maybe for a long time, will, will be, will be given a heavy cross to bear, but he bears it with us. Correct. And I think that goes back to what we were saying earlier. So even, you know, I don't know if she literally does this, but but your recommendation earlier, she could be drawing upon the graces of of the sacrament of marriage, even though her husband is off doing. Correct. And I, I don't know much about, I don't know enough about her right. spiritual right. life in that way, but, you know, hopefully she is drawing upon the graces of marriage to live out that commitment, even though he has dishonored it, uh, soiled it, and done away with that commitment and, and rejected her own gift of herself to right. him. Exactly. And yet, as a, to reiterate, the covenant endures. This mm-hmm. this endures, and this is why. So, if somebody does civilly divorce, the only, as we were saying, the only sort of divorce that, that possible, uh, and, and and attempts to marry somebody else outside the church, they can't enter into marriage, or they can't receive Holy Communion because they are still in the church's understanding. They're still married to the to the first spouse. Correct. And so that would mean that their current state would be one of apparent adultery. Right, right. It's, you know, so we, we talk about the, the church's categories of sin. There's venial sin, there's, there's uh, mortal sin. Um, but mortal sin, the condition, what are the three conditions for mortal sin, Father? Uh, has to be grave matter. Yep. There has to be a knowledge of the action, and there has to be fr- uh, freedom of from coercion. Yep. Yep. You have to choose to do it, um, and you know what you're choosing, and what you're choosing is is grave. It's it's bad. We don't know. We can't judge. We can't even. The church says I can't even judge about myself. I can't know for certain that I'm in a state of mortal sin. But I can know that I committed a grave act. In a grave act, then you should take to confession so that with your confessor you can discern and certainly receive the absolution of the church. Right. Yeah. So so when we when we talk about and just and I say that because the church, you know, this you know 
I can't tell whether I'm in a state of mortal sin, let alone you or anybody else, but I can tell whether or not I have committed a grave Great act. And, and, and if it's in certain instances, I can tell if somebody else has committed a grave act. That's not judging their heart. I don't know their heart, no. but I know objectively in certain instances. So if somebody kills somebody else, I can say, I don't know if you're in a state of mortal sin or not, but what you just did was a serious. Dude, that's serious. Yeah, that's serious. Yeah. And so we can, we can, and then we're called to fraternal charity, uh, fraternal correction. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you're committed to mortal sin or not, but you need to get a confession, blah, blah, blah. Right. All that. Maybe talk to the police. Yeah, that might be, yeah. <laughs> that uh, would be helpful. <laughs> um, so, so the church, so this, the state of, as you said, it's apparent adultery. And it's public too, in that sense, because people, I mean, marriage is a public act. Right. And so, uh, uh we, we go, it's wedding season. Uh, you know, I've got, uh, had my, I had my first, uh, wedding of the season. Uh, and so it's a public action and the divorce that she did was a public action. There's a public filing of divorce decrees. And there is, uh, furthermore than even if they, then they remarry. That's again a public action, right? Exactly. So these are these are public acts. So so it's not you know saying you know I I, I know what's going on in the privacy blah blah blah. This these are these are public acts which which anybody can know. Correct. And and at the heart of marriage is consummation. Right. 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 So 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 the, the church's point is all right. So if you've attempted marriage to somebody else you are you're, you're in a grave situation mm-hmm. what you've done what you're doing is is, is an, uh, an enduring state of grave sin now just uh just a moment again be good to clarify that someone who is divorced because maybe their spouse divorced them because their spouse gave up on the marriage or someone who's yep. divorced because uh, uh maybe the, the, there's a need for safety and protection of things uh in that way but uh they're still trying to foster that spiritual marriage that faith marriage with uh that person like this example we spoke about from this person in denver uh you are still perfectly admittable to communion right because you haven't committed a grave act right in that regard yeah so if you're divorced you can go to communion, right? As long as you've been committed uh, some and moral. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just so you, just so the normal, yeah. just so the regular norms are followed. Exactly. In state of grace, you have fasted, recollected. If you've divorced and remarried, that's where the issue arises. Because again, the, the presumption is that your first marriage is a valid Christian sacramental Correct. marriage, and therefore you are still married to that person, and therefore you are in a state of grave sin. Can't say it's mortal or not, but you we can s- say it's grave. You said I do. We assume you did. Exactly. And then you can't say I do again unless that other I do is resolved. Exactly. So you're in this public state of grave, uh, presumed grave sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and therefore, the, the church's understanding of Holy Communion is that that you cannot present yourself to receive Holy Communion if you are in a state of grave, potentially mortal sin. Right. That's... That's what it boils down. I mean, it's, t- it's taken us a while to get there, but that's what this boils down to. It's an to. important thing, though. It's an important thing to take time delineating these things to get to this point. We don't want to just uh, jump right to it because it's it's sensitive and also uh, addresses two sensitive parts of people's lives, uh, relationship and then their relationship with our Lord through uh, the gift of himself and Holy Communion. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. Uh, which also brings up another... Well, anyways, I don't know if I... Well, we didn't talk about this idea, but uh, the whole idea of the relationship with our Lord and Holy Communion, because in the importance of Holy Communion this way and why you should make an examined Holy Communion, because Holy Communion is the place of the renewal of covenant relationship with our Lord. 
And so just as husband and wife renew their marital covenant in uh, the consummation of marriage, the marital privilege, uh, so uh, you as a Christian renew your covenant with our Lord through reception of Holy Communion. And right now you're flipping to St. Paul in 1 Corinthians. Yes, I am. Chapter 12. Beautiful. Uh, where 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 St. Paul talks, and it's going to take me a minute to, to find it, so I'm going to paraphrase it uh, until Verse I... Verse 36? Is it that far? Okay. Well, what does it say? You, you paraphrase it, and I'll look it up. Uh, he says... Um... Well, did you not know, first of all, that uh, what we do in, when we receive communion is to receive the actual body and blood of our Lord? I, I handed on to you when I first received that the night before he died, our Lord said, take this all of you and eat of it. This is my body. And then he gave him the chalice and said, take this all of you and drink for this is my blood. Uh, you found it now? I found it. Yeah, it's actually, I was looking ahead. It's in, it's in chapter 11, uh, sort of picking up from what you were paraphrasing, which is uh, you left off with sort of verse 25. Verse 26 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the chalice, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And then verse 27, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. L- verse 28, let a man examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats, eats and drinks judgment upon himself. Uh, and it goes on from there. But the idea of examining yourself, and so we'd put it, examine your conscience. And have I committed a grave, potentially mortal sin? And if I have, then, I, then this is... And, any grave or mortal sin, mm-hmm. uh, we, we ought not present ourselves because we're profaning the body of Christ. And again, this is, as is the case with his teaching in general, we'll look at in, in the Gospels, very clear from Scripture, This the church's teaching on not receiving Holy Communion if you're in a state of grave sin um, is very clearly scriptural, as we see. This is explicit in St. Right. Paul. Um, so it's not, again, it, and it's not the church, it's not Paul being a jerk, this is, this is, this, you're, you're not, as you were saying, it's, you're renewing the covenant, but if you've damaged the covenant significantly, my, if I've, if I've, if I've harmed my relationship with God in a significant way by committing a grave sin, then I need to address that before I receive him in the, this most intimate way in Holy Communion. Correct. 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 Okay. I thought you were going to say something else. Correct. Um, so I, I think that's that, that's that's part. I, when you brought this up, I was thinking this exact same thing. That the the the, the idea that we receive Holy Communion is uh, it, it's it's not apart from because I think some people would say, well, but if shouldn't we if we're if we're we're all sinners. If we're all sinners, then and we all receive Holy Communion, why is this different? Well, if it's a grave sin, it's scripturally, Saint Paul tells us it's a different matter. Right. And there's a, a difference. As Catholics, of course, we know the difference between grave sin and uh, non grave or venial sin, so which we've gone into on, on other occasions. And so um, now the person can have a spiritual communion. Someone who is in grave sin can have a, uh, a spiritual communion in a moment with our Lord um, or in that, in that grave state. Um, but yeah, and so. Uh, 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 so we, 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 they shouldn't trust themselves to the Lord. Yeah, well, what, what advice would you give, Dr. Bergwald? So someone comes up to you, you meet some new neighbor, you have a block party uh, this summertime and uh, getting to meet the neighbors and someone brings that up and they bring up uh, this topic and they say, hey, oh, you work for the church, what should I do? So this is somebody who's divorced. And remarried. And remarried. Um, <laughs> 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 That's this is where the rubber meets the road, though. It it is. What, what do you what do you do? It is. Um, well, I, the, I think 
part of it is, and, and what I think practically often happens is, well, let's look at the first marriage. I mean, what, what was the first marriage? We presume it was an actual marriage. Right. So the church's understanding is you're, you are presumably still married to your, your first spouse. You said I do, we assume you did. As, as you noted earlier. So I think what, what often happens is there, well, let's, let's look at that. And we, we could get into the whole annulment thing if we have time today or not. Um, but could look at that. But if, Let's if let, let's say they go through the normal process and well as it you no know, the first marriage is still valid, or even just during that waiting time because I mean just an almond is a is a carefully worked out process and and an understaffed process and so and during that time what's the soul to do? And this is where and this we, we talk about you know following our Lord as disciples and crosses that we're called to live as brother and sister. Yeah, a, a person in that situation who is. Uh, has a prior marriage and is now in a second marriage where the previous spouse is not deceased and the first marriage is presumed valid, then you live as brother and sister. Which, which when it comes down to that, that refers to the, the, the absence of the marital act. Right. Um, you know, there's, you, you can have close relationships with people and, and, and marriage does not boil down to the marital act, but right. the church, the, the church councils, when it comes down to it, live as brother and sister and you, you refrain from the marital act. I mean, it's, it's, I'd say abstain because it's, it's a, the, implicitly a permanent uh, state of refraining from the marital right. act because you, you you would be if you didn't you'd be committing adultery, adultery. against your first Correct. spouse and uh, and also too even just to raise the question of you know should you uh, remain in this second relationship now that's a much difficult much more difficult question uh, but uh, and one that probably only comes through prayer and work and study and, and things of that sort um, but uh, if there's no children in the second relationship right then what sometimes it is counseled perhaps you need to to seek to to reestablish your relationship with your first spouse well not even necessarily to reestablish relationship but at least remove this second right uh uh quasi or actual adultery because presumably it would be a, a, an occasion of sin yes yeah yeah and so and so why i keep persisting in that you know, I mean, I know you want it. I know you might desire it, but if it's not what you're free to do, and this is, I, 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 I neither of us are saying that that this would be an easy that this would be an no, easy no, choice no, no. or easy decision. But it would also certainly come. To, it's a harder decision, I think, in our day and age, just where we have this uh, entitlement mentality and this uh, the idea that happiness is found in the seeking of pleasure. Right. Uh, or the achievement of pleasure. And so that would be an unpleasant experience right. without a doubt. Right. All of these are unpleasant. I mean, even just uh, a division in a force in a first marriage is an unpleasant experience or right. being in an unpleasant, sometimes divorce is seen as the pleasant solution to an unpleasant marriage. Exactly. Um, and so none of these things are easy in that regard, but, uh, and require humility, self-gift, sacrifice, a trust in a God, uh, hope in something that does not seem easily achievable. You know, I, I like my hope when it seems easily achievable. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, my own personal hope of salvation is a lot more easy when uh, I seem to be making all the right steps and all the right moves. Exactly. So. But this is one where, I mean, this 
and I mentioned this earlier, this clearly goes back, this is not the church being a jerk. Right. This is the church being obedient to her Lord. And this is one of the most unique things about, and you're going to read Matthew 19 here in a yep. moment, I think. Yep. And this is one of the most unique things, and like, especially when we consider maybe some of our non-Catholic Christian brothers and sisters, where many of their churches allow divorce. And I, I don't understand that, especially from a sola scriptura, a Bible alone point of view. Right. Uh, how could they come to this idea of allowing and per- permitting divorce? But let's, let's read this. So actually, and I'm going to read, so it's 19, Matthew 19, 3 and following, I'm, but I'm actually going to read Mark 10, 2 and following. Um, just a little bit shorter. This is, this is Mark's gospel, again, chapter 10, verse 2 and following. Pharisees came up and in order, order to test him, asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to put her away. But Jesus said to them, For your hardness of heart he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation God made them male and female. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, so they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let, man, let not man put asunder. And in the house, the disciples asked him about again about this matter. And he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. So Jesus is very explicit. Divorce and remarriage, you're committing adultery. Right. And it's also good to think about, you know, what's the... Uh, uh, avenue of this question so in, in matthew's gospel he points out that they are on the east bank of the jordan mm. which is where john the baptist taught and preached and it's just after the death of john the baptist and so uh the pharisees are asking this question of jesus hoping to trap him you read in mark chapter 10 uh and they're hoping to trap him just like john the baptist and what happened to john the baptist yep. lost his head yep. for preaching against herod's uh non uh, uh in, uh, non-valid marriage is right. adulterous second marriage to Herodias. Well, his well, her husband was still alive. Right. Yep. And then, uh, so, so just keep that in mind. So this is where this is the context in which Jesus is teaching it. So I think some. Okay. So so divor- if 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 a man commits adultery against her, divorces uh, divorces his wife, marries another, he commits adultery against against her. Well, but if we sin, we can seek forgiveness. So why can't I just confess the sin of adultery? If I do this, if I divorced my wife and married somebody else, I'm committing adultery. But can't I, having done that, couldn't I just confess the adultery and go on and live my life? No, because you're still in that situation. You're still in that public uh, manifest sin, which still could give cause of scandal for others, making other people think that their own marriage vows uh, are not necessary to fulfill, and that's where I mean because the, what we have to do, when we when we confess a sin, there's got to be some some intent to stop sinning, right? And if I'm re, if my intent is to remain in the second union, this quote unquote second marriage, um, then there's I have no I, I'm not repenting. I'm not repentant at all, right? I, my intent is to continue. You know, if it's not, then that's something else. And yet, the living with his brother and sister, we talked about that already. Uh, but 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 if I can't just confess it and then continue to repeat it. So if you, as a listener, are yourself uh, someone in a situation like this, or know someone who is, encourage them to talk to your parish priest. Right. Talk to your parish priest. Uh, bring it up in confession. If you want to bring it up in private, go behind the screen. Hopefully your parish has a uh, confession with a screen so you can go anonymously. He won't know you. You won't know him. Or find a parish that does have that and at least start the discussion with a priest. 
and and we said this before, but Father and I both want and the grace is this can be a cross to bear in all in difficult marriage. You know the idea of, but Jesus gives us the strength, the grace to endure. Uh, did you? And we have like twenty seconds left. You, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that point, Father. Just in a few seconds. Just the grace to endure yeah. during that. Well, right. Sin hasn't changed. God's grace hasn't changed. And there's been challenges throughout the history of the Christian faith. And so, just encourage you, call out for those graces. Ask, 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 ask for graces to do the thing that you think you can't do. And he will provide them. Amen. Amen. So we will, with that, draw this episode to a close. Again, if you have questions about this, if you'd like any, us to address anything further about it, send me an email. The email address is cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. Until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.